0: Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Agility Bed. We recently bought an Agility Hybrid mattress for one of our beds and totally wish we had done it sooner. Plus, you can get $200 off your Agility purchase by entering code YHL at AgilityBed.com. That's code YHL at AgilityBed.com. I'm John.
1: And I'm Sherry.
0: We like home stuff.
1: We like talking.
0: And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home.
1: Today, we're sharing the design norms from around the world that you guys told us about, including the ones that are making us rethink how we bathe, make our beds, and even use the bathroom. Plus, John changes his tune about our duplex kitchen disagreement.
0: I feel like I owe Sherry a public apology
1: because
0: you're right. Twofold. Really? Yeah, twofold on an issue that we talked about several episodes ago. Episode 120, we talked about a fight we had over the layout of the duplex kitchens.
1: Wherein John wanted cabinets everywhere.
0: I didn't want cabinets (laughs) everywhere, but we were debating whether or not to do upper cabinets on the wall with this stove because I thought we needed the extra cabinet storage of the upper cabinets, but you feared it was going to block the chimney too much. Like the- We
1: have a beautiful corner chimney. And yeah. you guys have seen it. I'll put a picture in the show notes. Now everyone is like very happy with the no cabinets on top decision because there are plenty of cabinets in a big L shape throughout the room. There are two full walls of cabinets in this room.
0: Lower cabinets, I will point out. but And
1: an upper over the fridge and we'll be adding shelving. So there is going to be storage out the wazoo, as they say.
0: I wouldn't go that far. Maybe but there will be plenty. <laughs> so that's why, for one reason, you are right. You also may remember from that episode the reason that I saw Sherry's side of the argument that I agreed that we shouldn't do the upper cabinets is because she reminded me that we are putting more storage cabinets in the adjacent laundry room slash mudroom. So like steps away, there was going to be more cabinetry for people to store their like pantry items. You know, the food they're bringing, whatever, some excess kitchen gadgets if we need. It's essentially an extension of the kitchen. So instead of upper cabinets, we were having mudroom cabinets.
1: Literally three steps away from the kitchen cabinets.
0: So you guys may be surprised to find out that I was the one to say we shouldn't install those cabinets. Those cabinets that helped me decide we didn't need uppers, I decided we should nix from the plan entirely.
1: John, too many cabinets, Peter Sick, as he will henceforth be known, has seen the error of his ways in that you don't need 10,000 cabinets in a beach house because why, John? What did you worry if we put cabinets in there?
0: Okay. This was my realization. We had planned to put three base cabinets in the mudroom. So there are going to be drawers for people to put their food in because it's similar to what we have in our pantry at the beach house.
1: And it's, I love our pantry. Yeah,
0: it's worked really well for us. But I realized for a renter, someone who's just coming to this house for a week, they may not realize that those cabinets, you know, a closed cabinet you can't see inside,
1: closed drawers. Yeah, drawers. No yeah.
0: Is. For their food storage. They may not even realize they're empty. Like when I rent a vacation house, I don't immediately go in and open all the cabinets to see what's what and like take inventory of where I can put my things.
1: What do I do immediately at all rentals?
0: Um, You wipe the phones down like Lisa Renna.
1: No, I don't. I always laugh at Lisa Renna. I am not a germaphobe. I don't do that. I check the toilet paper because that is dire. You must make sure that there's toilet paper. Oh, yeah. But I don't throw open every kitchen cabinet either.
0: Right. So... I realize that maybe the better solution than having closed cabinetry there would be to have open shelving that is largely empty. So people will see when they come in like, oh, here's a lot of storage space that's for me to use so that I can put my food here. Or if I don't need my food there, I can put, you know, extra beach gear or whatever. Like it's flexible space that will be visible.
1: Right, for coolers and big bags of Tostitos. Someone pointed out every time I talk about storage at a beach house, I say coolers and bags of toastitos. So I'm bringing it back to that. But we'll also have the top surface of this shelving system, just like we would have had a counter for me to put like the toaster and the coffee maker. And yet, what is the price difference, John Petersick, between a run of cabinets along an entire wall, and a freestanding shelf from Ikea.
0: What Sherry's getting to is when we were at Ikea back in December doing some shopping, we spotted a shelving system that would work perfectly for this space. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. And it was $110.
1: And it's huge. It's as wide as the huge bay of windows in there. Yeah. It'll nest nicely under them. And it has three shelves of glorious storage.
0: And like you were getting to, it's much cheaper than cabinetry. When we decided to buy that shelf instead of install the cabinets, we had bought the cabinets already, but we had not installed them yet. So we could still take them back and go. They were all
1: still in the boxes.
0: Yes, they were in the duplex already. They'd been delivered. So we did have to haul them back in our car to Richmond. And then on a later date, actually just recently, haul them two hours north to Ikea to return them. So they've been on an adventure. They
1: really have. They've seen some things with us guys.
0: But we realized when we returned them, we basically got... $2,000 back worth of cabinets and doors and drawers.
1: That doesn't even count what we would have had to purchase after we installed them, which is hardware for all the doors and counters, which yes. can be a huge ticket item.
0: Yes, counters was a big one because the cheap butcher block or whatever at Ikea would not fit. It'd be too short. There wouldn't be any overhang. You always want an overhang on your counters. So we probably would have ended up getting more courts to match the counters in the kitchen proper, and that would have been very expensive. So we were saving lots of by switching from basically $2,000 worth of cabinetry plus counters and hardware to these $110 shelving units. So I will put a photo in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast of the shelving unit in place so you can see what it looks like, because it is a pretty shelf.
1: I hope no one just heard me drink in my buy. just had a sip of coconut Sherry water. Sherry
0: got very dehydrated from all my praising of her ideas. I
1: mean, my mouth is dry from the excitement.
0: But now, guys, I want to get into the thing we've all been waiting for, at least the thing I've been waiting for, which is the recap of the design norms from around the world that you guys submitted to us. I mentioned last week that you guys submitted nearly 600 responses to our request back in January for things that are normal in homes in your area or your country, because we realized what we talk about here and how we experience our home in Central Virginia of the United States is not how every home looks throughout our country or throughout the world. And so I said last week that the results were so fascinating. I've spent so much time reading them, and I've tried to organize them best I can so that I can have some sensical relaying of them to you guys and to Sherry. Right. And I will say, I'm working just from your submissions to me. I didn't really go and fact check everything. So just like what we say is not perfectly representative of every American or every Virginian, What we read from others is not necessarily representative of all the people in that country we're talking about or only that country. It may say this is something that happens in India, but it also happens in several other countries throughout the world. So you may nod along and say, Oh yeah, we have that too. Or you may say, No, I live there also, but have never seen that thing. So norms is a loose term, is my point. Um, generally, I'll say I walked away with a really, really great appreciation for the variety of homes and ways people live throughout the world. Like, I think it was really helpful just to remind ourselves that life is different for people other places and that the thing you experience every day is not necessarily the norm somewhere else. It gave me the urge to want to travel more and experience some of these things firsthand. So uh, a big thank you to everyone who took the time to write in and share something with us because it was a fascinating experience for me. And I hope as you guys hear them back, it is for you as well. The general things I'll say that influenced the differences in our homes actually was a lot about weather and climate.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: Also, size was a big difference. A lot of people talking about, oh, Americans' homes are so big or like we never have spaces like yours because we have small apartments in our city. So I think that isn't necessarily an America versus the world thing. I know a lot of homes in America are very large. A lot of areas in the United States have lots of room to spread out. But there are also very urban areas. I mean, both of us lived in New York City in small, you know.
1: Tiny. I mean, I did not have a sofa, guys. I had a bed and a small kitchen and a TV on like one of those little cube tables from Ikea. A tiny TV the size of like, I don't know, a cafeteria tray and a closet. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I think having small spaces like we lived in does force you to have some ingenuity that people who live in larger spaces like where we live now may not have to. So that was another big factor in, I think, the differences people pointed out. So I can't wait. You can't wait. Okay. Well, first, I wanted to talk about some sort of regional rooms- Types of rooms that you find only in certain spaces.
1: Hot tub TV room. Tell me someone has that. (laughs)
0: Well, I will jump down to that. People said in Finland, there's lots of saunas. Ooh. So there's sort of this room that is a combination mudroom, laundry room, bathroom, and sauna. I am not going to try to pronounce what it's called. Maybe you can. It's a... Kadinhoidahon.
1: Kadinhoidahon.
0: Yeah, I don't, have no idea what the Finnish accent is, even.
1: We probably just said like "bald chicken."
0: Well, they said it loosely translates to a scullery. Oh, which I'll get to in a moment.
1: That but, just reminds me of trolls. Have you guys seen trolls? Trolls scullery maid.
0: The only reason I know that word. <laughs> But um, they said that saunas are such a thing in Finland that their stores, like their equivalent of Target, has a sauna section that has like cute water buckets and cute Ah, thermometers.
1: Take Uh. me there.
0: They also said this is popular. Saunas are popular in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and Minnesota, where there's a strong Finnish influence. There's a lot of Finnish immigrants to the United States that came to that area. So they say you know if you're native to that area because you don't say sauna, you say sauna. Sauna. Yeah, S-O-W-N-U-H is how the person spelled it for me.
1: Huh, sauna.
0: So they said like growing up in that area in Upper Michigan, it was a tradition to go over for supper and sauna at the grandparents' house.
1: Sauna. Is it because they're cold in those regions? Because you know how you said a lot of it has to do with that? Or is it like sunlight? Or
0: I assume it's it has to do with the uh, cold and living in a colder temperature. They didn't say specifically, but that's my assumption. Huh. There are a lot of also specific reasons rooms just throughout the United States like I didn't realize what we have here called a frog oh yeah
1: finished, finished room, room above over, the gar- oh. over the garage over the garage that's a frag <laughs> I got a frag.
0: The thing we call our bonus room, which is above our garage. And I didn't realize that that was regional to the southeast. And part of that is because a lot of colder regions, you don't want a room over an unfinished space like a garage because it would be too cold.
1: Oh, that totally makes sense. Well, in Jersey, where I grew up, everyone had a basement. And here, nobody has a basement.
0: Well, let me tell you, people from the Midwest were really insistent on telling me about their basements. (laughs) Everyone in the Midwest was like, oh, we have basements, by the way. Why don't other people have basements? (laughs)
1: Fun to like have like a pool table and all the kids stuff down there.
0: Someone said they didn't realize it was weird till friends came home from college. The friends that lived in other states and they were afraid to go in the basement because their only reference point for basements was it's like where people got tied up in movies.
1: Oh, I was going to say the home alone, like furnace. <laughs> right. Right.
0: Um, but obviously, in the Midwest of the United States, basements are an important feature because tornadoes and having a safe shelter space. Gotcha. Um, but someone pointed out they're not common in areas like Texas or Florida where you have flooding issues.
1: Yeah. I don't even think we have them here because it's so damp. And- well,
0: they're not super popular here in Virginia, but they're not unheard of. But I think a lot of times it depends on the geography that a house is built into. Like if it's built on a hill, right. it often has a basement or a walkout basement. But like, I don't think any of the houses on our street have a basement.
1: Right. Because we have just very very flat level ground.
0: Yeah. Our show house was going to have a basement, but then our builder decided to fill it in because basements are not good for resale around here because it's extra square footage that people don't want.
1: Isn't that interesting? And then I know people who are like in the north who were like, my house must have a basement. Yeah. Like we loved them in Jersey. Everyone I knew, all the kids hung out in the basements.
0: Uh, but we talked about sculleries. Uh-huh. Do you know what a scullery is? I didn't.
1: Well, it's a scullery made. I thought a scullery was like a basement kitchen that's all iron. I think that's <laughs> yours pulling
0: out from trolls. <laughs> As people from Africa described to me that uh, a scullery is like a dirty room for dishes or clothes. Like it's almost like a second kitchen. Um, Someone named Crystal, she says she's American, but her husband and she lived in Africa for a few years and sculleries were the norm. They're small rooms attached to the kitchen or back of the house used to do dishes, laundry and other dirty household work. Like it's almost like a butler's pantry, but actually has appliances like a dishwasher and a sink in it.
1: But it's like hidden and just for like function. It's not a gorgeous thing like a butler's pantry now feels like it's trying to make a statement.
0: Right. She said it's a space to put dirty things and be able to shut the door on it to keep the rest of the house looking nice. Oh,
1: that's kind of nice.
0: So I was like, yeah, we should have Scholaries here. It's a
1: Monica closet on friends.
0: Um, People in South Africa also kept mentioning. I'm going to say this wrong. A bra. Spell it. <laughs> B-R-A-A-I. Oh. It's basically a barbecue room. Inside? Uh, Yeah, it's... Wait
1: a minute. Does it smell like meat?
0: (laughs) Well, they said it's a room to barbecue in. He said, we very rarely barbecue on gas, so water coal is used, and Cape Town, where this person's from, is very windy, so we built a separate room that sometimes has, like, chairs or sofas or even a dining table that's separated from the rest of the house, Um, They said it's typically glass, like it has uh, patio doors on it, but it helps contain barbecue smells.
1: But it's like separate entry, so it's like a garage, freestanding, but it's a greenhouse, and it's for barbecuing, and I love it. Yep. And I hope it smells like bacon all the time, because that'd be like a dream. I
0: mean, I would imagine that you're probably collecting lots of smells in there.
1: That's amazing.
0: Uh, There also were a lot of sort of regional terms that came out as people were describing them. I may not get these all right, but for instance, in Australia... Outlets, like electrical outlets, are called PowerPoints.
1: Oh, that's so cute. And you call, what's a PowerPoint again? See, I'm an American and I always get this wrong. You always call this Excel.
0: It's a presentation.
1: I call it Excel, which is a spreadsheet. Exactly. Okay, why are those not the same thing?
0: (laughs) Because they serve different functions. Anyways, (laughs) Australia also, instead of backsplashes, they're called splashbacks.
1: I love, 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 love that.
0: I also love this. Someone from South Africa said um, can lights, or what we call recess lights, Mm -hmm. are often called down lighters.
1: Oh, Downlighters. You know what I love? I learned this from Jess Lively from The Lively Show. The moving guys, you know, like movers, house movers, they're called removalists in Sydney, Australia. Oh, removalists? Yeah. So she'd say the removalists are coming. And I'm like, that is amazing.
0: Um, Someone in Northern Canada mentioned that their mudroom, they actually call a boot room. A boot. A a boot.
1: It's a boot (laughs) time. Hold on, that was really bad. Sorry, Canadians. I got Scottish at the end.
0: (laughs) And also someone in Canada said that in Canada, they call vacation homes cottages, no matter the style of the house. So if it's a cabin, if it's a beach house, a lake house, it's called a cottage. And people sometimes even say like, I'm going cottaging, like it's a verb, like I'm going to a vacation house.
1: I love that.
0: Now I'm going to transition to talk about specific rooms in a house and how they may differ from country to country. Okay. And I'm going to start in everybody's favorite, the bathroom. (laughs) One of the most popular write-ins was talk about a Pittsburgh potty.
1: Oh, I know what this is. I know what this is. It's a toilet like in a basement with nothing else. Exactly. (laughs) I heard about this. Like
0: no walls.
1: And you know what, guys? The duplex had one.
0: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't in the basement, but just off the kitchen where the mudroom now is. There was just a toilet. Just a toilet. Out in the open. Well, apparently these Pittsburgh potties, the lore is that when dirty coal miners or steel miners would come back from work, it was a space where they could clean off And use the facilities without having to get the rest of the house dirty.
1: But that would necessitate a shower, wouldn't it?
0: Well, someone said there also sometimes was like a drain in the bottom of the basement. So maybe there was other facilities in there. I don't know. But another theory is that uh, it was to keep sewer backups from the street. So that like if there was a backflow into your house.
1: Oh, it it went into the Pittsburgh potty and not the real potty. Yeah, it
0: went into the basement. Okay. People say if you want to Google this, you can see pictures of them. But the Pittsburgh potty was mentioned a lot. That's funny. Just like Midwesterners love their basements, people from Pennsylvania love the potty.
1: And remember, realtors call uh, water closets. You know, this is just when the toilet's behind a door, a private pooper.
0: Well, that came up a lot also too, water closets. We have talked about Jack and Jill bathrooms or water closets here, like ways where you can separate the function of using the toilet from the other bathroom functions like washing your hands, brushing your teeth, taking a shower. But people were saying in a lot of European bathrooms, and this was also mentioned for Australia, that the water closet is actually a whole separate room accessed from the hallway. So it's not within the bathroom itself, but it's its own room that is just a toilet.
1: You're just in there doing one thing. Exactly.
0: And then there's another door where you go in to get your bath or your sink or whatever.
1: I guess you'd be doing
0: one of two things. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying. (laughs) Uh, I feel like I should mention someone else said that in Dutch bathrooms, particularly these water closets with just a the toilet, there's something called the Dutch birthday calendar, which is a trend.
1: <laughs> just, I don't know where this is going at all.
0: It's I guess it's a common thing where in one of these toilet rooms, you'll see a calendar that's not specific to a year. So it won't say like 2019. It's something you can use every year that has that particular month and you've marked your friends and family's birthdays on it. It's
1: like your mom's blackboard in her kitchen.
0: Yeah, exactly. But the theory I guess here is that you spend a lot of time sitting there. So it's a great time to memorize people's birthdays. Oh
1: my gosh, that's so funny.
0: Someone also mentioned in Germany that wall-mounted toilets are a norm. So they don't sit on the floor, they're mounted to the wall, hmm. which makes cleaning easier. Which,
1: yeah, I Which can made see a lot that. of sense.
0: Someone also mentioned you will sometimes find a toilet, I don't know if this is in Germany or elsewhere in Europe, that had an inspection shelf built into it. So a little kind of platform within the toilet Uh-oh. to Uh-oh. catch things, Uh-oh. to inspect them before they're flushed out. In case you are, I guess, checking for health reasons. Okay. I'm going to let everyone else fill in the gaps.
1: I thought you were going to say there's like a mirror that's shown up on you and you can inspect things. Gross,
0: Sherry. (laughs) I don't know. This is a much less gross thing.
1: (laughs) Just a shelf to get your stuff. Yeah. Wait, so then is there like a tool provided to get it off the shelf? No, it'll
0: flush off the shelf. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) You don't want to leave it there for someone else to inspect.
0: (laughs) There was also a lot of talk that in a lot of countries wet rooms are much more common. We've talked about these a little bit as a bathroom trend where the entire room is tiled and there is just a drain on the floor so there doesn't have to be as much separation between like the shower area and the tub area. And I guess uh especially in Europe, it was also mentioned for Japan, Thailand, Korea, even Iceland that wet rooms are very common.
1: Interesting. Also, I'd imagine smaller spaces, that's really beneficial because they don't have to break things up so much. Like as long as the vanity is wipeable, everything's in a wet room, the entire thing can get wet. There's a drain in the center instead of having to make room for like a shower pan. So it saves space.
0: Exactly. In tight spaces, it's great. Moving to showers and such away from the, the toilet talk. Someone mentioned that in Japan, they have amazing bathtubs that are called...
1: Oh, I already on- want to go.
0: Onsen, onsen. I think the onsen is actually a term for a Japanese hot spring, but some people have, I think, translated it to a bathing experience and bathtubs that stay really hot and have a very like spa hot spring experience. Mm. Um, someone says their brother lives in Japan and he has one of these every night. They said you would love them.
1: Oh, I'm, I have goosebumps right now because it sounds so good.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, someone in Africa, specifically Namibia, mentioned that bathtubs are unimaginable because water is scarce there. So they have to shower, you wouldn't dream of filling a tub and sitting in one there. Wow, because you have to be so conscious of your water usage. Right. Uh, there actually wasn't a lot of mention of people instead of having stand up showers, a lot of bathtubs with handheld showers. Some people oh. were surprised that handheld showers are not more normal in American bathrooms. You know, we have just an overhead shower head. People are like, how do you get yourselves clean if you're not spraying yourself? And Get in all your areas. It's
1: like a trickle down system. It works.
0: Right. A lot of these commenters made me feel gross. <laughs> Like, someone from Southeast Asia said that they consider toilet paper to be gross. Like, bidets are the norm. Right. So to have to use toilet paper is like, you're not doing good enough work there.
1: I think Will Smith went on a rant and he was like, if you got mud on your arm, would you wipe it with paper? No, you'd wet a paper towel. He was like, making a case for the wet wipes. Yes, the wet wipes. Which are ruining America's toilets. Yeah, I would say for
0: your sewer system, even though they're flushable. Yeah. (laughs) Get a bidet, apparently.
1: Yeah, that is the answer. And it's waste free.
0: The last thing I'll mention in the bathroom department is that a lot of people in Europe mention that towel warmers are very common. And I do remember when I was in London in 10th grade, (laughs) I noticed the hotel there had a towel warmer, which I thought was this nice, luxurious thing. But apparently it's very common, especially because in a lot of bathrooms, it acts as the heating source for that room, almost like a radiator.
1: Oh, but it doesn't set the towel on fire. It's warm, but not too warm.
0: warm. Yes, it is a very nice feature. Let's move on to another important part of a house, the laundry room. Okay. You can tell there are a lot of differences in these very functional rooms.
1: Right, right, right. Well, I know a lot of people who line dry their clothes, it'd be so different than how we do it here. Yeah,
0: I mean, we've talked on previous episodes about our preferred location for laundry, but my eyes were opened even wider to the variety of spaces that laundry rooms end up across the world. A lot of places have them outside. In America, places like California or Hawaii, they're typically undercover, but they're still outside. Um people in Korea and Taiwan mentioned that they're often on an apartment balcony.
1: No way. So they can get rained on, I guess. Well,
0: they said that they are closed off. Like there's a cover you can close because they have monsoon seasons there. So you don't oh. want them to be completely open to the elements, but they still are outside on the balcony and not in the main part of the house.
1: It's really nice though to get fresh air. Like I love this in theory.
0: Yeah. Um in Europe you find them a lot in kitchens and bathrooms. Uh, Specifically, people mentioned in small spaces, the under-counter washer and dryer was Mm -hmm. very common. A lot of times they're built in with cabinet fronts, just like you might have a dishwasher or refrigerator here in the United States built in your washer and dryer. They also mentioned there's a lot more of those... Two in one combination washer and dryers. Right. Which I really have never encountered in my life, but it's a single unit. It looks like a front loading washing machine. And you put your dirty clothes in and they come out dry. Right. You don't have to move them from machine to machine.
1: Right. No switching of the load. That's yeah. really cool. And it saves space.
0: Yeah, I started to think like, should we have done that at the duplex? I looked them up. They're not cheap, but if you get a more affordable version, they're Fairly comparable to two separate units. Really? Yeah. So I don't know the reason why they're not more popular. Maybe they're not quite as functional. Someone said the drying is more of just like baking them. And so sometimes they come out smelling kind of baked.
1: Oh, I thought you were going to say tiny. Everything is so small it's shrunken. No, 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 no. (laughs)
0: But there was also a lot of talk about no dryers at all. Like you said, line drying is really popular in a lot of climates. Specifically, people in Australia mentioned that line drying is very popular. People brought up something called a hill's hoist, which you probably will recognize once I describe it. It almost looks like an umbrella without the fabric cover on it.
1: Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a spider web. Yes. Right? On a pole.
0: Yes. They said those are very popular. Um, Someone said they're also fun to spin on as kids. Or there's a drunk college game called Wheel of Goon. That sounds fun, guys. <laughs> Let's I guess.
1: travel the world and do all these things.
0: Um, but they said that no dryers was not only a function of having like a yard in warm weather. Um, sometimes it was also due to space constraints. Mm. Someone mentioned in Scotland that they had drying racks that were on a pulley up on the ceiling of the kitchen. So you could pull them down, load up your clothes on these drying racks, and then raise them back up to the ceiling. And sometimes the heat of the kitchen, like above the stove, would help dry your clothes. Huh.
1: Also well, make them like, smell
0: like whatever you're cooking, I guess. Exactly.
1: Like, this is my salmon shirt. I was going to say that's kind of like how when we have wrinkles in our clothes and we don't want to iron them, we put them in the bathroom, we take a hot shower, and we wait for the steam to kind of do Exactly. Uh Exactly.
0: Speaking about bedrooms now, closets are not super common in a lot of European countries. Uh, people mentioned often they have wardrobes instead. So a freestanding furniture piece that acts as your closet.
1: I think I knew that from just some people I follow on like blogging and Instagram that they do a lot of like huge wood pieces and sometimes they're not heavy looking they're white but they store like all of their clothing their entire wardrobe will be in a wardrobe (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) But, you know, here in America, if a room doesn't have a closet, sometimes it's not even considered a proper bedroom. Right. We also got some feedback about actual bedding itself. I think we've talked about before how a lot of people in Europe don't use a flat sheet. Right. You just have the fitted sheet around the bed and then you have your comforter or duvet or whatever. The flat sheet is unnecessary.
1: Because they wash their duvet or their comforter every time. Yes. Whereas Americans kind of use this flat sheet and we say like, well, wash the duvet and the comforter not as often because there's like this interim guy.
0: Yes, That was also mentioned uh, by someone in Korea as well, that the top sheet is not a thing. Also, I thought this wasn't a bad idea. Someone said that on queen or king beds, you would have separate duvets for each person. So rather than one single large duvet that you potentially have to fight over, you'd have your own. So you could have your own blanket. It could be whatever thickness or temperature you wanted
1: See, I like this in theory, but how do you make the bed? Like, is there just a crease, but it looks fine? That I don't know. Because I don't know if there's a way, like, they're like, no, no, you lay them horizontally and you roll one up at the foot of the bed like a blanket and they look great. You know, like, there must be some way to deal with well, it. Well, you're
0: washing it every day. So No, <laughs> you are not. And I just pulled this one out because I thought you might like it. Someone named Elizabeth, who's from Massachusetts, but she lived in the Yucatan for a year. She said her favorite thing about their house and most houses there is that the bedrooms had special hooks built into the wall that can be folded out when needed to hang hammocks.
1: Oh, so that e- is awesome.
0: Even people who normally sleep in a bed, sometimes it's so hot that a hammock is preferable for sleeping.
1: That is amazing.
0: The last area I wanted to talk about the house is entryways. So we talked a little bit last week about the shoes off issue and how a lot of countries around the world, it's so customary to remove your shoes when you walk in that there are areas within the entryway that are built in shoe storage. So people know where to put their shoes as soon as they come in, whether they live there or whether they're a guest. But that's not the only thing about entryways that people brought up. Back to the temperature thing, mudrooms have to be a lot larger in colder areas. Like someone from Northern Canada said, Our little cubby of mudroom cabinets here would never fly in a cold climate where you have lots more coats, boots, lots more things to store. They also said entryways or mudrooms are really important because you can't keep things like your heater or your water heater, your HVAC system in a garage or a crawl space because it gets too cold. So you have to use these interior spaces like a mudroom for all of those systems.
1: Yeah, I even think in New Jersey, I don't think we had things in the crawl. Like sometimes here when we're renovating and they say we're gonna put it in the non-temperature controlled attic or the non-temperature controlled crawl. I'm like, can we do that?
0: Yeah. Like people said, our last house, remember the front door just kind of opened into the living room? Yeah. Actually, our last two houses did that way. Right? Right. They said that would be unheard of a lot of places. Like someone in Sweden, the Netherlands, Poland, they said there's always a place for boots and coats. Whereas some people in Florida and Southern California say you're more likely to find entryways without closets because they aren't bringing in coats
1: Oh my gosh. or boots. The life, right? Like just wearing what's on your back at all times.
0: Someone in Alaska also mentioned an Arctic entry where you actually have a closed-off space for your entryway. So, like, two doors into the house. Uh, kind of like you think about, like, a vestibule in a store or a restaurant. I'm
1: thinking about those blowers. You know, those, like, magic air blowers that blast you with hot air, but they keep the cold air out.
0: Yes, that's probably the idea. I mean, they may not have those things, but really to keep your main part of the house warm. Interesting. And then also speaking about warmer areas, they said a lot of places that are hotter, like near the equator, uh, people like in Puerto Rico, Southeast Asia, Singapore, mentioned that a lot of front doors are those lockable grates. So instead of like a glass or plexiglass storm door, you have something that's open so you can keep your house locked but you can have it open for the ventilation of the air. When we were in Puerto Rico, we saw lots of this.
1: Right, like they're beautiful wrought iron grills almost that you can lock and the air would pass through, but no one could like walk in and grab your purse. Yes, exactly.
0: And I know this is getting long, so I want to wrap up a little bit, but two things I wanted to mention about kitchens. These are things that I thought were super interesting and one of them very functional. The first is called a finish dish drying cabinet.
1: I think I know what this is. Can I guess? Sure, you want to guess? It's a cabinet over the sink. Yes. And it has no base. I mean, no bottom, yeah. Yes, it has no bottom of the cabinet. And so you lean your dishes in the slats and they drip dry into the sink. Yes. Yes, I've read about this in magazines. It seems really smart.
0: It seems so silly that you don't see more of that. Because, you know, here in America, if you don't have a dishwasher or you need extra drying space, we're all buying those countertop dish drying racks. Right. But like they take up counter space, whereas this is something that assuming you have the space over your sink, I guess maybe that's the issue. That's
1: what I was going to say. I think it's very standard to have a window over your sink here. And there's not typically room in an eight foot ceiling to have a cabinet above a window. That's true. So that's probably why.
0: But it just felt like such a smart use of space. So you get that thing off the counter and it's drying Right into your sink and it still has a door so you can close it like it looks concealed and pretty. Yeah,
1: that's really smart.
0: Very smart. The other thing that I thought was really fascinating was a lot of people in Germany where it's very common to rent your home, not own your home. Often places don't come with a built-in kitchen. So when you move into a rental house, you are expected to bring not only your own appliances, but your own cabinets and counters.
1: Wow. I wonder if people do a lot of those beautiful freestanding things, you know? Like a gorgeous, big wooden hutch, and that's where you store all your dishes.
0: Right. I think they said that's one reason things like Ikea and a lot of their modular storage, like their freestanding dish racks and things like that, are very popular because people have to be able to not only easily install a kitchen, but also take it with them when they leave. And at first I read this like, that is crazy. You know, like you expect that when you rent a place here in the United States. Like you're going to have your kitchen built in. You may or may not have appliances, but they're saying the good part about it is that then you can customize your space when you move in. Like one reason a lot of people don't buy certain houses or maybe don't rent certain houses is because the kitchen is dated or the kitchen is not configured the way they would like it to be configured.
1: Right. Well, and some people need much more from a kitchen than others. Like I would say in New York City, in my apartment, I needed nothing from my kitchen. I did not own pots and pans, guys. I had nothing in my kitchen. And so it might be nice to make the kitchen you need. Whereas someone else might want like a chef's kitchen and all this cabinetry and then they can customize it for themselves
0: yeah that was also mentioned i should say for switzerland and thailand as well but primarily uh, by germans who wrote in so again that was not nearly everything that was written in i'm sorry i couldn't put it all in here but thank you every one of you for taking the time to submit something and tell us a little bit about the way that you live in your area or your country it truly was fascinating i hope you guys enjoyed going through it here i hope it made sense i hope i actually portrayed your country somewhat accurately.
1: I know, but remember John's disclaimer, just because someone said this happens in Germany does not mean we're saying everywhere in Germany and everyone does it. Yes,
0: and so don't flood our email, or our DMs with clarifications. <laughs> and I will try to put some links or photos in the show notes to some of the things we talked about. It will be up to me to find them on Google. So wish me luck.
1: And up next we have, we're digging. I'm actually digging something, or actually someone from Toronto.
0: Oh, keeping the international theme going. I appreciate it.
1: Exactly, but first we have to take a quick break you <music>
0: Agility Vet has been a sponsor of our podcast for a while now. And earlier this year, we bought one of their hybrid mattresses for the beach house, as in we paid our own money for it. Nobody gifted it to us or anything.
1: And as we explained in our last Agility ad, we kind of cheaped out on some of the original beach house mattresses.
0: Well, we were buying five at once, so we tried to cut some corners and maybe we cut them a little too closely.
1: Yeah, we added various foam toppers to make all the mattresses more comfy. And we've splurged on this extra thick one for the master bedroom, and it ended up being hot and awful and sweaty. It was not an upgrade. It was the worst.
0: Well, yeah, not only does the Agility mattress that we bought sleep cooler because of the specialty foams and microcoil layers, but it's also 11 inches thick, which is taller than what most other mattress in a box companies offer. So it definitely makes it feel like one of the highest quality mattresses we've ever slept on.
1: Yeah. The old one we replaced just for comparison was like seven inches, which is why we bought the big foam pad and then it was too hot, blah, blah, blah.
0: Yeah. So if you want to upgrade your mattress situation, Agility will give you an hundred night risk-free trial, and you can take $200 off any Agility mattress by using the code YHL at AgilityBed Com. Again, that's code YHL at agilitybed.com.
1: The Canadian gem that I'm digging is a person, and his name is Dante Coley. Some of you guys listening might actually know who this is because his Instagram following has exploded. And his name is Dante Coley, and he is this amazing 21-year-old guy from Toronto. He is a dancer, but most of all, I feel like he is like a positivity guru, and he is just so fun to follow, and he is infectious. He makes me smile and grin, because he has these messages like, believe in yourself, and he's dancing, and like stars will shoot out of his hands. It's kind of like, you know the logo, the more you know?
0: Right. That is
1: like his aesthetic, and so there's rainbows, and there's hearts, and they have these messages like there's only one you be yourself be proud I feel like
0: you're not describing it though and people just have to go follow him on Instagram to see it and we'll put the link to his account in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast because I have no idea how you spell his name but the thing you're missing in the description is that it's like charmingly low budget.
1: Yeah, there's like a star wipe. Like it looks very yeah. much like a nineties like PowerPoint. It's right, like, the right or like term? a
0: bad workout video or something.
1: Yeah. But he's doing it very comically and He's, he's in on the joke. Yes. And I just love his message. He literally is sweeping the morning talk show circuit right now because everybody just loves this, like, burst of positivity. And it's a nice little, like, jolt of happiness you can get from Instagram. Yeah,
0: it's nice to have it, like, pop up in your feed every once in a while.
1: Right. So I'll link to him in the show notes. His name is Dante.Coley on Instagram. I just love him. And I feel like if you need a little pep in your step, Dante will hook you up.
0: Well, and the thing I'm digging this week is is also something that makes me very happy. It was kind of a nostalgic purchase I made recently. It's a book. It's actually a children's book. And I'm not exactly sure what triggered the memory of this, but it's something that I recalled growing up and really enjoyed reading. And it actually has a home improvement theme. That's this- why you ended up where you are today, this book. I mean, I am not unconvinced of that.
1: Because <laughs> you love this. And see, guys, I also grew up in the same era as John, but I'd never seen this book before. So I think it's relatively unknown.
0: I have no idea. It is called, Oh, Were They Ever Happy?, By someone named Peter Spear or Spire.
1: I think Spire.
0: And I believe it was published in 1978 originally. So it's celebrating a 40th birthday or 41st birthday.
1: It's so cute, you guys.
0: The general plot of it is about painting the exterior of a house. And weirdly enough, the exterior of the house looks not too dissimilar from our house.
1: Oh, really? I didn't even notice that. I read the entire book.
0: See, look. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've got...
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got like an octagon window and dormers. It's
0: a bit fancier than ours. It is.
1: It's like ours on an upgrade. They've
0: got two chimneys, which I'm very jealous of. (laughs) But the plot of it is that the parents go away and leave the young children. That's a very 1970s thing because the babysitter hasn't arrived yet, but she's on her way.
1: She's coming. So they're like, okay, we're starting our trip, kids. The babysitter will be here any minute. Yeah.
0: Don't get into trouble. Oh, but do they get into trouble? (laughs) So I guess the parents had offhandedly mentioned that they needed to paint their house. It's this beautiful white colonial house. And so the kids think it would be nice to help the parents paint the house. So they go into the garage and the shed and the basement and collect all of the leftover paint cans and go to town.
1: With every color that they find.
0: So I'll put a couple pictures in the show notes of it so you can see it a little bit where it's headed. I don't want to put in the last picture of like the payoff of it all painted because it is so charming how these kids think they were doing a nice thing. And they end up making this huge, ugly mess of this house.
1: (laughs) Well, they're like, oh, don't forget to paint the fence. They wanted to paint the fence, too. And they just kind of like everything gets painted. Yeah,
0: like the dog is painted, all these things. So I found it on Amazon used uh, because it's no longer published. And it's still there. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes if you want to check it out. But it was such a nice trip down memory lane for me. It was fun reading it to the kids. And like, just like Dante dancing, I feel like it makes you smile.
1: Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast.
0: And thanks again to everyone who helped us by submitting a design norm for this episode. We very literally could not have done this show without you.
1: And we love hearing what you guys do while you listen. Like Maggie Strong on Twitter, who apparently did so much painting around her house a few weekends ago that she listened to 30 episodes. 30 episodes!
0: Guys, I did the math. That's like almost 18 hours of these buttery voices squawking in your (laughs) ear. You're welcome.
1: And don't forget to check out all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode at younghouselove.com slash podcast. Like a photo of that new shelving unit in the duplex mudroom. You guys, it looks great.
0: And I'm digging up pictures of some of those design norms we talked about, like the Pittsburgh potty, the finished drying rack, and the South African barbecue room. You know, the bra, the bra. The, the bray? I
1: don't
0: know. Later.
1: Bye.
0: You guys will be surprised. 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 Surprise. Surprise. <laughs>
1: Nah, I'm Emily I would like for you to surprise me every day. Just like walk into a room with soup and say, surprise.